0: Hey everybody, just a brief announcement slash reminder before we get today's show started. This week we're going to be debuting the Weekly Rundown Podcast. And that's available to our patrons who contribute at least $10 or more per month. And uh, you'll be getting that on Friday. And if you're not a patron at that level, you're going to be missing out. If you're a $5 patron, you'll get access to the B-side that's going to be dropping this Sunday with Amy and myself. So a lot of content out there coming for patrons Uh, And for subscribers of all tiers, be sure to get in on those. If you are a subscriber at $10 or more per month, you'll be getting four episodes of Dead Pundit Society this week. We aim to do that every single week, but we're not going to be able to keep up that frenzied level of production without your generous financial support. As I mentioned time and time again, we do not have that Koch Brothers or that Soros money rolling through the gates. So we need your help to keep this project moving. Head over to patreon.com slash dead pundits and become a patron of the show today. And there are tons and tons of generous rewards that come along with that contribution. All right, on with the show. I think it's that's a hard J. It's, it's I, a hard I don't hard. know it's if it's been basic. anglicized. <laughs> okay. I don't know if it's been, I'm sure it's been anglicized, but it's definitely Ojeda. Okay. You know, you got to really get a little, uh, you got to get a... Ojeda. You know what I mean? He's from West Virginia. <laughs> Rangers lead the way, Ojeta. All
1: like, right. Uh, get into it. It's not, a, um, it's not a Slavic. It's not a Slavic J, that's <laughs> <day, laughs> what I'm saying. These
0: are my people, man. Yeah. They, they You'll talk. never have the
1: sacred
2: stone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother...
0: Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of Dead Punnett Society. I'm your host, as always, Adam Proctor. And joining me today is my co-host, as always, Amy Therese.
2: Hi, Adam. How are you going?
0: I'm I'm going well. And I I will note for not only for you, but for the listeners out there that you asked how I was going, which is a very apt uh, (laughs) introduction or question, uh, given that our guest today hails from the great New Zealand I've got two, uh, two people on the mic today from Oceana. I'm feeling a little outnumbered. Uh, joining us is staff writer at Jacobin. He has written for a variety of outlets in both the U.S. and his native New Zealand. Bronco Marchatic. How are you, Bronco? I'm great. And how are you going? <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. Uh, I don't know. You guys keep asking me this question. I, 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 I'm on the microphone. We have an interview to do. You guys need to chill out for a minute. We're not going anywhere just yet. Uh, I just so want what, to
1: accentuate those <laughs> cultural differences, you know, really, really draw a line in the sand, um, you know, make it clear where I'm coming from.
0: Yeah. yeah all it's about us, the us, narcissism, us and
2: small differences, you see. Oh, that's, right.
0: <laughs> that's right. So you've recently resettled in the United States or in North America. Um, you're, you're traveling around. And so you're you are now an adopted Yank. And, uh, <laughs> so that's that's where you're going. You're going to uh, all over the place in, in North America. I don't know, how's it been for you so
1: far? well uh, I don't know if that counts that way. I feel like uh, from based on what i know u s immigration law isn 't quite that I'm generous to someone who's just a, a tourist um, <laughs> but true. yes i'm I'm traveling through the u s at the moment um, to end up in Canada uh, where i 'm going to live for the at least the next couple of years um, yeah, you sure. know, absent some horrible calamity. Yeah,
0: yeah. Canada, much more welcoming to fellow Commonwealth citizens, uh, you being from the hailing from a uh, former British colony. You've got pretty easy access to Canada, respective to, uh, you know, others hailing from other parts of the world. It's a it's a fucking injustice. But hey, that's our immigration system. Anyway, welcome to North America. Glad to have you here. You've been writing a number of pieces for Jacobin that I think have been uh, incredibly important. Um, I, I've decided I've, I've saved this for the show now, so I'm, I'm just going to sling this at you uh, in, in an impromptu fashion here. But I think I think we're going to start calling you the Prince Slayer, <laughs> like like yeah, like Jamie Lannister on uh, Game of Thrones. He's the King Slayer. Well, you're, you're you're the Prince Slayer because like I swear to every time the media holds up one of these neoliberal hacks as like the next big name in like the the Democratic Party primary race for 2020, you just write a series of articles. On Jacobin, at Jacobin, and you just slay the shit out of him. You did this with Joe Biden some months ago, where Biden was hailed as, as you know, the next, uh, the the you know, the candidate um, in waiting, as it were, and and you released uh, three or four pieces like back to back, just destroying his, you know, faux progressive. Uh, veneer that he he has developed for himself so tell tell us a little bit about that what, what, what was behind those Biden pieces and what were you trying to accomplish there were were you slaying uh the prince in waiting uh, was, that, was <laughs> that your was that your primary aim
1: i mean uh i i don't know if i would frame it quite as like slaying <laughs> anyone
0: uh <laughs> i would i would I'm, I'm trying to big this. you up. I'm trying to big you up, man. No, no, no. I know.
1: I would. I would describe my my work thusly. First of all, I, I, how I ended up with the shtick of sort of writing about um, uh, the the histories of, of the terrible people who who rule not just the United States but um, various other countries. I don't really know, um, but I, I, I did sort of fall into it. Um, with those pieces, I mean, yeah. When I've criticized these kind of um, upcoming presidential contenders uh you know i I wanna really stress that I actually do go into it with an open mind um although uh, sometimes I obviously know the record of of certain people with some like Kamala Harris for example, I didn't really know her record very well um and I found uh a lot of terrible stuff there um and I think that's sort of the key thing is that like it's it's not as if I have to try hard to. Uh, to find what's wrong with a lot of these candidates. Their records speak for themselves in a lot of ways, in in, in a lot of cases, Um, well, in every case. And uh, they really do have, quite record sometimes sometimes you know tempered by some good things that they do as well i mean biden biden does also have a history of doing some good things but um you know for a guy like biden who has been in uh the senate since 1971 i want to say 1970 i can't remember what um you know, who started his career as a guy who was uh, kind of anti-liberal, um, and not in the way that you know people on the left are anti-liberal, but anti-liberal in the sense that he was he was coming from the right and and sort of wanted to to point out that he was a conservative, um, you know, a guy who uh, vehemently opposed busing um, in sometimes quite stark uh, racist terms, a guy who was at the forefront of, of um, the kind of war on drugs and crime uh, in the 80s and 90s, it was – it's not hard to see why uh, and – or to, even to argue why Biden would be a absolutely terrible pick to take on Trump. You know, like a guy who basically has the exact flaws of Hillary Clinton um, and, and would fall to the exact same sort of um, – uh, attacks that, that Clinton fell um, uh, in 2016. So that's sort of, that's, I guess, gives you a brief overview of, of um, you know, how I came to not just write Biden, but, but I guess my, my approach to writing any of these kinds of
0: pieces. Right, and so your most recent uh, slaying of a prince, I'm sticking with it, it's fine. No, no, I... You're you're right to push back on it because you do take a much more um, uh, soft-handed, sophisticated approach, if you will. You're not just going in there to slay a dragon. You, You try to weigh the pros and cons and the... The strengths and the weaknesses of these people, I think your overarching claim there is, and correct me if I'm wrong, and particularly in your latest piece, which I brought you on to talk about most explicitly today, which has uh, appeared in Jacobin a few days ago, it's called Beto O'Rourke should not run for president. Pretty clear uh, statement there, but you qualify it in a number of ways. Uh, so tell us tell us about that piece, and and that'll sort of qualify the Prince Slayer moniker that I've uh, <laughs> kind of thrown at you a little bit.
1: <laughs> and to, to be clear, I mean I'm I'm happy with that that moniker. That's a there are worse things uh, to be known as. Uh, there are much worse nicknames. Uh, you know, I, I think of Turd Blossom, which is what Bush <laughs> called Caro. So you know, I'm, I'm happy. In in that context, oh, I didn't know that. I hadn't heard that. Either. Yeah, yeah. No. That was uh Bush's affectionate nickname for Carl Rove So, you know, and lost. given that I'm quite happy uh to be known
0: as 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 the Prince Laker. but that's a um, symptom of a very mature and grown man who was also <laughs> our president for eight fucking years. That's, 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 that's <laughs> yeah, amazing. exactly.
1: Um yeah, uh so basically the Bitter Rock piece I mean, um obviously Bitter Rock since losing the the sand election uh against Ted Cruz has sort of um, and probably become the kind of most exciting uh, potential contender for president, um, which is odd. Um, doesn't doesn't usually happen that uh, you know a guy who loses a race becomes the the front runner um, for, for president, um, and let alone that you know a guy who is a uh, straight white cisgender male, which the the sort of uh establishment wing of the Democratic Party ha- you know sort of the, the exact identity qualities that the that they've been sort of raging against uh since Clinton's um run in 2016. Um but you know I, I mean the basic argument is that uh Rourke actually he he doesn't have a terrible record. He actually has especially for for Texas, a a fairly progressive record. Um, You know, uh, one of the things that was good about him, for example, is he he didn't – he was actually – spoke out against, like, the the militarization of the border and that kind of thing. Um, And, and, you know, uh, he he seems to be sort of a little more cautious around war and that kind of thing. So he's not not terrible. Um, But the sort of uh, thing that that I wonder is, first of all, Given a loss, why would you want him to run? Secondly, even though he doesn't have a, you know, a record on the on the on the scale of the badness of a Joe Biden, um, it's he's still not exactly the most. I mean, far from the most progressive person who will be running um, in, a, in a race where you got Bernie Sanders and and even Elizabeth uh, Warren, um, yeah, and maybe even Sh- uh, Sherrod Brown, you know, and O'Rourke's record when you actually look at it um is you know, he he voted on a number of bills to to sort of water down and, and, and roll back parts of the Dodd Frank financial reform law. Um uh, he he voted uh, on, on criminal justice he's he's not great. Um I I put a couple of examples in the in the piece, but you know, one one of the things that he voted for was the bill to essentially make Uh, police a protected class where um, attacking police is is akin to a hate crime um, which is uh, very extreme legislation. Uh, He also voted for a bill that would basically put teenagers in prison for 15 years for uh, just trying to sext, to to either send or receive a sext. Um, So I, I'm not going to claim by any means that, the, that I went through O'Rourke's entire um, voting record in the Senate, uh, sorry, in, in, in Congress, in, in the House. Um, but um, what, even just a sort of like, the, the sample of research that I did into his background, I think gives plenty of pause. And I'm sure there would be, if somebody really did do a deep dive into his entire uh, voting record, they would find. Probably a lot more uh, things to be, um, well, less excited about. Um, but the key thing is that, and I think you guys would all agree, is that, you know, O'Rourke's actual record does not really play into um, any of the actual excitement uh, for him or any of the reasons why the Democratic Party and, and former Obama uh, staffers are so excited about O'Rourke. Right, right.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. I think he's, he's he's viewed as the guy who can sort of uh, fake left while holding the neoliberal center where it really matters, right? I mean, he was uh, photographed at the AIPAC uh, conference a couple of weeks ago, you know, smiling and, and, and uh, you know, um, fawning over these, you know, Israeli officials and donors who were, you know, uh, pushing and whitewashing their – Crimes and their occupation of Palestinian territories and so on and so forth. So he's, he's just more of the same when it comes to a lot of crucial markers. And I just want to remark really quickly. You mentioned that he lost, and it's an odd move as a loser to then project a run to the presidency. But we saw the same thing from Richard Ojeda out of West Virginia. That's right. <laughs> Someone who, who loses a race, albeit in a very difficult state you know, for Democrats uh, in some senses. Uh, and then they, they take that loss and they, they use that momentum, which is like, wait, what? They use the momentum of a loss to project <laughs> into a presidential, you know, candidacy. It's 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 uh, bizarre.
2: I think at least though, like, uh, at least from my perspective, one of the substantive differences between Ojeda and O'Rourke is just like the extent to which um, the establishment, both like establishment media and like establishment um, Democrats, um, are really like huffing. Like, the the beta fumes right now. Like, it's so extreme, whereas Jetta's just, like, this silly sideshow, you know?
1: Yeah. yeah, totally. And and when you, as I was sort of alluding to before, alluding to before um, when you read the pieces, you know, uh, Dan Pfeiffer, for example, um, of, uh, of Parts of America wrote a thing uh, about,
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah, that
1: already gives already you a already shocked. Um,
0: are you yeah. saying that you're not a friend of the pod? Are you not a friend of the pod, Bronco? Uh, I
1: mean, I won't, I, have, I'm very, I won't have
0: enemies of the pod. I would not on this call myself podcast. a friend or an
1: enemy. I'm, I have no real uh, feelings about positive America. I, We're I all Schmidians
2: here—friend, enemy, or enemy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I will say this: I, I think it's good that uh you know after the the AOC win the toss america uh like many other uh kind of um establishment democratic voices kind of scrambled to to kind of be like oh yeah we we are we are on board with this we yeah this is totally we've always been supporting this um obviously you know very dishonest. but um although they they've actually they were quite a bit more from what i've listened in the you know i went back and listened to some some episodes they were they were more I think generous to to Sanders than than a variety of other establishment voices. Um, so I think I think, that's true. I think I do I I do like that the capacity to sort of be pushed, um, which incidentally I think is also an important thing in a presidential contender. Um, you know, uh, which is why I mean you know I'll, I'll be honest I I do think that out of everyone. Um, Who's probably going to run? Like, I mean, Sanders is probably the best option for that reason. He is the he he will need to be pushed as well to do what has to be done. Um, But he is the easiest of those politicians to be pushed because he has the least sort of internal ideological resistance to um, you know what the left wants to do. You know, compared to someone like say even even Elizabeth Warren, who I think is is um, far more cautious. Right yeah exactly right yeah i mean yeah there's there's so many sort of issues i think with her um uh, i mean I, I actually you know there's there, there was a big meme going around uh when when well was it a few months ago when when Warren was um i mean I around the time that she did that thing with the uh with the blood test uh, with the, which is <laughs> yeah. a big calamity streets. just a
0: yeah.
1: train wreck Not a a good thing. Not a not a a smart move. Not not great. Not great for Warren. But um, when she when around that when that happened because there was this buzz for a potential uh, run by her, which obviously is going to happen. A lot of people saying, you know, uh, oh well, you know, the left opposes Elizabeth Warren even though she agrees with Sanders on like nearly everything, and that's not really true. I mean, um, Sanders has actually done a Good job of, of really um, uh, shifting to a more realistic position on foreign policy, you know, away from the sort of reflexive um, uh, DC establishment um, position of um, of just kind of um, endless war and and everything. He, the, Sanders has actually gone out of his way to really articulate an alternative, which Warren is dying to do now, but um, you know. Uh, Obviously, not quite to the same extent on, on the environment. She's a lot worse, um, and uh, you know, generally, uh, for example, she didn't. Um, she took a long time to come around to Medicare for all. She was she was not um, into single payer for a long time. So, um, yeah, I think that's actually a really important uh, point in general uh, with 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 candidates is, is, is like not just their policy positions and 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 their backgrounds, which is really important, but based on that, can they be pushed? You know, can they be made to take on the right positions? Um, I think people should think about that. Right, right.
0: So I want to I want to talk about the entire field of candidates that's shaping up right now. We've talked about uh, Richard Ojeda, some of the more comical uh, ones that, that are appealing up. Although I will say, here's here's my here's my very quick uh, take on Ojeda is that I would never support the guy. He's way too uh, you know, simplify gung ho. Rangers lead the way. Whatever this spiel is he always gives when he's signing off his videos. Um, you know, but I, I'm not obviously knee-jerk anti-masculinist or whatever have you. Like a lot of the uh, more dainty uh, versions of the the radical liberal left uh, might be when they see a person like that. Um, but 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 on the other, like he's just he's a little too much. He's a fucking hawk. It seems pretty clear there, um, mm. regardless of his economic populism. But 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 I think it it did demonstrate the the sort of pearl clutching around his announcement a couple of weeks ago. Really did demonstrate the way that uh, the the media class, the progressive media class, is really out of touch with the sentiment of the, like the broader American public, who sees a guy like Richard Ojeda and looks at him like a champion, uh, rather than a a sort of like chest thumping. Uh, you know, uh, chest-thumping barbarian or whatever, like, you know, someone in the Brooklyn media class might, might look at him uh, like. But I'll get your comment on that in just a second. But I want to ask a question. It's quite provocative. I think it's actually interesting here. You, you, you all might, uh, will likely remember a guy named Bobby Jendel. Yes. <laughs> uh, tanned,
2: rest, Tanned, rested, and ready. <laughs> tanned,
0: rested, and ready. And Bobby Jendel uh was was the heir apparent uh to the uh conservative uh throne, I would say in, in many in many uh places. He <clears throat> rose to be the governor of Louisiana, mm. the great state of Louisiana. And uh he he was the heir apparent uh, after George W. Bush stepped aside. And he he never really his campaign never really made it off the ground for a variety of reasons, but for a very brief period of time there, particularly in the RNC con- uh, rnc convention uh was that 2004 or 2008
1: um yeah i'm not sure actually I'm i know the
0: actual date someone
1: will have to correct me on that he course did course. a uh, response to the state of union i remember one year that,
0: that, right. that was he, sort he of did like, that as well, well it, it that was would have of, to be it was supposed to
2: post 2000 that'd have to be like 2009 or 10 yeah
0: it would have been two thousand nine or ten, and I can't remember if he spoke at the RNC prior to that, or maybe in and maybe in twenty twelve. But anyway, we're getting our dates completely fudged here. But the point is, for a long time, he was this young, fresh faced, uh, you know, broadly, uh, you know, he, he's, he himself is an Indian American. Uh, you know, Beto is not at all uh, in, in any way, shape, or form uh, from Central South America, even though he has the nickname. Uh, <laughs> he's definitely grifting on identity there, but. Uh, but yeah, they he, okay is is Beto the Bobby Jindal of this election cycle? What's your take on that? Is he going mean, to just completely dissolve and fizzle and disappear uh, into nothing?
1: Uh, it's hard to say. Um, I will say this: there's every single campaign that when, when when you go back and read like news reports of even old campaigns, you know from like the the like 80s or 70s, um, the frontrunners like two years out, um, or the people that like get a bunch of buzz two years out. Um, not necessarily invariably end up fizzling but like when you read it now you're like who the hell is that because that you've never heard of them ever Um, I mean uh, example of this which isn't quite quite the same as that. But Giuliani in 2006 was considered the shoo-in to be the Republican uh, nominee. Um, Obviously, his campaign was just an an embarrassing kind of disaster that just just fell apart um, gradually uh, in a hail of of nines and elevens. They just threw into every single speech (laughs) he did. Um, And so, yeah, there's a good chance of that. Uh, I'm... I guess we'll see if he can sustain this kind of excitement um, all the way until then Um, but I mean the other kind of point I made in the article is that I also think the excitement around around Beto O'Rourke is is this product of this constant need to find a kind of establishment friendly charismatic liberal face to um, to just make make the bad things go away Um, and, and when I say make the bad things go away, not necessarily to actually, uh, put in place policies that would make the bad things that we've seen under Trump and and under Obama and, and before that under Bush and and Clinton, uh, go away, but just to sort of make people feel like, okay, well, we have someone who's smart and charming and, And 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 uh, good looking in the White House again. We don't have this grotesque uh, kind of monster anymore. Um, Everything's fine.
2: Just to like reestablish that pretense of normalcy, I guess that like all the all the libs are like so uncomfortable with the status quo that kind of anything that would shift it. Um.
1: Yeah. Exactly, and and if we remember, you know, the status quo, the the normal under Obama was, um, it, it, it's as we sort of learn every time Trump does something, it really <laughs> wasn't that far removed from what we're seeing now. Yeah, but pretty much yeah. anytime Trump does anything bad, um, it, it you you can you, you can almost like set your clock to this. You can go back, and Obama has also done it. Uh, separating families. Well, you know, Obama didn't do it as a policy at the border, but yeah, he separated many, many families, and sometimes he did do it at the border. Um in you know,
2: chief.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, well, actually, deportations have have gone down. The deportation rate has gone down under Trump um, because uh, Democrats are resisting Trump in a way that they did not resist Obama because he was he was the the guy so. Yeah, right. And uh, you know, uh people were outraged, you know, about Trump using tear gas at the border. Like literally a day after this there was a, a, an article that came out that talked about how how many times and how often Obama's um border patrol used used tear gas uh, against uh migrants. Uh you know, people are horrified at Trump's coddling of of um Saudi Arabia. Well, Obama was also incredibly friendly towards Saudi Arabia. Went out of his way to, I mean, not just in the in the Yemen Yemeni war, um, but went out of his way to really bend over backwards for them in, in a very Trump-like fashion. Um, so, you know, I I'm I regard a suspicion anyone who former Obama staffers explicitly say this guy is like. Obama, this guy reminds us of Obama and he will be great. And we're very excited about him. I think that is a huge red flag. And it maybe it wouldn't be to to a lot of people who, who aren't familiar with Obama's record. But if if you sort of just, you know, do some cursory Googling um, or, you know, you could even, uh, hey, look up my name and read some of the stuff I've written. <laughs> um, you know, I think that should make anyone
0: uh, very nervous uh, about this person. Right. So we've talked about Beto. Uh, you you sort of wind wind up your piece. You mentioned this, but I want to make it more explicit. You wind up your piece by just begging Beto, Hey, like run for uh, run for governor. Of Texas, when it's up, I believe in 2020, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe wait until uh, what is it, 2024 or 2022? I can't remember when when the seat is up again. Uh, when there's a senatorial seat up in in Texas, you know, run for state office. We need you uh, on the bench, uh, deep in the back benches, uh, so to speak, in American politics, uh, to support a much more robust progressive you know movement. If that's what you indeed are interested in doing, which you know might be up for debate. But, um, I mean, there's no doubt that uh, he'd be better than Ted Cruz in that position.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I understand some of the the arguments against us because, you know, people rightly say, well, you know, that's a long time away. He, he won't be able to sustain his momentum all the way till then. You know, he was running against Ted Cruz, one of the most unlikable, loathsome individuals um, in the Senate. So unlikable that his own party um, hates him. <laughs> Uh, also, the Zodiac
0: killer. Also, well. so yeah, got that going against yep. him. Yeah,
1: he he murdered yeah. dozens of people in the sixties and seventies. Uh, sent very strange letters to police. Um, all, all all big red flags. Uh, no, but you know, um, I mean, it's true. And 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 so yeah, it would be him running for governor or even running against um, John Cornyn would be a lot harder for sure. Um, but. Yeah. To me, it's a lot more useful than him just becoming another sort of flawed uh, kind of democratic candidate for 2020. Um, wh- wh- I mean, I don't really know what O'Rourke would add to to a democratic primary that isn't already there, um, other than to sort of further expose how kind of um, hollow a lot of the kind of um, supposed commitment to identity issues uh, well not even identity issues but just to, to sort of like very cosmetic uh, aspects of identity the kind of liberal establishment has um, because again as I, as I said before I have to sort of uh, insisting on diversity for for years um, it's very telling that they've now uh, <laughs> just come around to sort of a uh, very uh, milquetoast handsome uh, white guy um, yeah, giving
0: an Irish guy uh, an alleged like I don't know like a latin nickname or whatever uh, <laughs> it's like uh it's like man you're not fooling anybody but uh are you saying a rock you know,
2: is not a PRC? i thought the irish haven't always been white we're right if we were in 1860 th- if we were in 1863
1: if we were in 1863 a role could be a very diverse candidate um but uh you know not not that I think like just diversity on its own is 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 really important at all. Um, you know, if somebody is diverse but has terrible political positions, then it doesn't really matter um, you know whether the most of us can or not but um, but it is telling to me that 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 sort of this this argument has been completely abandoned um, <laughs> you know that that, that we need to sort of, uh, the Democrats need to, to put up diverse candidates has been completely just thrown out the window as soon as O'Rourke showed up, um, you know, a sort of palatable uh, face for the establishment.
2: Yeah, it's almost like it was always a cudgel. Wait, what?
1: Yeah, I mean, ah! you, maybe. <laughs> it's almost as if it was completely cynically wielded. Um, <laughs> and these, the, the Democrats had no real commitment to, um, to making uh, a more diverse party. Well, I mean... Um,
2: I just think that anyone who's – anyone or any establishment that's willing to generate this this absolutely artificial cleave between uh, issues of so-called identity and material resource allocation is full of it, right? right. And that's why, yeah. like, liberal identity politics, in my view, necessarily is a class project and it's not a working class project, um, which is why, like, it doesn't matter that – Beto is, you know, ticks off a bunch of very generic um, non-woke identity boxes. It's because he says all the right things um, and he supports all the right bills that support the right powerful people in institutions. Um, Right. And he does like a really good job of, again, um, managing to cleave um, an absolute distinction between so-called socially progressive ideas um, and his actual votes on economic and war issues.
0: Look no further than the House Democratic Caucus uh, chair race between Hakeem Jeffries and Barbara Lee, uh, where Hakeem Jeffries sort of uh, edged out Barbara Lee um, very famously at this point last week. And uh, so even in, an, even in an event where there are two uh, people who represent, uh, you know, a diverse, uh, who, who, who contribute to the diversity of the Democratic Party, the one who who edges much closer to the center uh, tends to always prevail when it's up to you know the mainstream members of the party, the old guard of the party. Uh, so so even still, when when there is a you know d- two diverse candidates, it's the the function of this I- this faux identity grift is is always very clear that the that the center prevails over the left. Um, it's a, it's a cudgel uh, to, to defeat the left. So yeah, I mean. It's 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 depressing, but we we see this we see a pattern developing for sure.
1: Yeah, I think I think because of how uh, cynically it's been weirded it, it doesn't quite have the. I, I think they're going to find it very hard to kind of keep launching that attack. Um, you know, actually, you know, one of the interesting things about this is that is that uh, one of the things that I always found really kind of bizarre um, and revealing is that um, whenever the same wing of the party or the same wing of kind of establishment liberalism wanted to attack Benny Sanders, who, of course, is a Jewish man, um, they would always call him a white guy. He's an old white guy. Um, of course, you know, uh, you know, these are the same people who have been kind of fretting about Trump um, being a the, the, the new Hitler. Uh, there's some people who are, who are justifiably horrified at the the shooting uh, in, in the in the um, synagogue in Pittsburgh and, and the variety of of sort of anti-Semitic um, neo-fascist attacks um, that, that have been going on. Um, yet, yet they also very blithely just sort of erase Sanders' own ethnic background, which which he doesn't really run on. But he, you know, in the campaign, he did allude to. He, you know, he did say at one point, you know, I think someone of my background, I think. A victory would also be historic in some ways. Um, so I mean, that's another—that's sort of another example of how like, coherent this kind of um, the, these attacks are. I think.
0: Yeah, they sort of revoke your identity credentials if you don't play along uh, under the guidelines that they have uh, put down, put forth in terms of like how you're supposed to how you're supposed to grift off of your uh, identity. It's 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 a very—I mean, we've seen it time and it, we've seen it time and again. People, I think revoking concerning- others' identity credentials.
2: I think it's only incoherent if you're focusing on like the ad hoc way it's wielded um, at the front end. But if you look at it as um, a, a maintenance of a particular class dominance, um, it's suddenly much more coherent. And the um, seeming contradictions actually make perfect sense because they're right. – um, Aimed at maintaining a certain set of politics as the dominant politics.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Now to get back to Beto really quickly, I mean, I'm I'm not a journalist. I don't have anything called journalistic integrity uh, to worry about, like you do. Uh, You know, I'm happy to 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 lack integrity as far as I'll speculate. I'll be cynical. And, and all of that stuff uh, on your behalf, you can, you can just sort of <laughs> nod. You can sort of nod silently uh, on the other side of the of the line if if you agree or disagree. But give me your, your thoughts on this. I think like it's it, it doesn't seem clear, you know, on the face of it, under the terms that we've laid out so far, why someone like Ojeda, uh, why Beto, why anyone at, at this point would be running, uh, would be announcing their candidacy for the primaries so early when they, when they're such a long shot candidate and they lost their race or, or so on and so forth. But let's, let's not forget what happens to people who, who run and lose Democratic primary, uh, primary races or Republican primary races. What happens is they end up with a, a cabinet position in the incoming administration. Mm. They end up with key advisor roles. Uh, it doesn't matter how awful and unelectable you were in that process. Look at you know Chris Christie, for example. Uh, look no further than... Than Rudy Giuliani, people who have end up, despite their you know abysmal failures in the primaries, end up with pretty cushy cabinet positions that set them up uh, as DC insiders uh, for the rest of their careers. And so we shouldn't be short selling that. Of course, that's not something that you're going to publish at this phase. I mean, that's not a public facing argument, as Amy likes to say. But um, it. But but I think that it's, it's there in the ether that th- this is a very careerist move, and and uh, rather than maybe contributing to the progressive movement in the way that you would like him to, in terms of like filling that back bench, you know, at the state level, at the level of the, of, of you know, holding a governor, a governorship down for, for the progressive wing, which is a really, really greatly important thing that uh, is undervalued. I think uh, for progressives and socialists, uh, democratic socialists across America, he he's trying to build his career instead. Yeah, He's not, he's not really interested in, in the movement per se. What, what is your take on that? I mean, what role does that play here?
1: Yeah, I'm sure that is part of it. Um, I mean, you know, like people said, it'll be hard for him to really sustain the momentum he's got going on right now, especially when Cruz's seat won't be open for a long time. Um, so it could be that his presidential race is a way to sort of keep his, keep his name in the headlines, perhaps, um, opens up a opportunity for him to, to, to make another tilt um, either at the Senate uh, or... The governorship. I, I don't know. Um, I also. I'm not saying rock is doing this, but um, I think also with with these uh, presidential campaigns, there's also I think a calculation in terms of um, uh, money making. Uh, you know, you, you you run a campaign, you get some votes, maybe even win a primary. You put out a book. Um, you, you, you know, you get a nice cushy book deal worth a couple million dollars that's sort of what the republican party has been doing every every time the republicans have a presidential contest they're like 18 different candidates um lindsey graham is constantly running even though no one in their right mind would ever like lindsey graham uh you know you got guys like him mccain you got um buddy ben Ben carson yeah i mean ben carson's like released like three different books i think since he, since he's run for for office so i think that ghostwriter has been busy for sure yeah, yeah exactly yeah. um yeah so i think uh he yeah that's that's another another part of it you're you're right there is a it's it's such an industry both for money and career advancement that i'm sure it play some role i mean with uh, is it is it so O-Ojeta? i've never i've never actually really heard his name pronounced or is it
0: Ojeda? i i don't know i think it's that's a hard j it's, it's I, a hard I don't know it's if it's been basic. anglicized <laughs> okay. i don't know if it's been i'm sure it's been anglicized but it's definitely okay. You okay know, you gotta really get a little uh right. you gotta get like... Ojeta, you know what i mean he's from west virginia rangers lead the way Ojeda. Like, all right you know? a... get
1: into it it's not, a, um, it's not a Slavic, it's not a Slavic J, is what you're saying. These are
0: my people, man. I don't know right. how they talk. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so Ojeda, I mean, I, just, I obviously just had, had no idea. Um, so Ojeda, <laughs> uh, part of me feels like, or suspects that that maybe it's a, you know, if he runs for president, it's a way to sort of shore up his his brand, his name recognition for another uh, tilt in West, West Virginia, um, which... Uh you know, I, I think that's that's fair. And maybe that's what O'Rourke is doing as well. Um I, but to be honest, I think someone like Ojada, even though he's far from perfect, um, you know, in the sense that he has got this sort of populist message, would at least bring something new or something a little bit different to the uh debate in the Democratic um primary campaign. I'm not really sure again, I'm not really sure what O'Rourke would would bring other than, you know, he's obviously a very charismatic and, and smooth, um Politician, but like it, it, in terms of actual ideas or policies, he's not really he's any different from a uh, wide variety of candidates. There's nothing that really sets him apart. Nothing that he would add to the conversation. I think. Um, I I'm a, I'm a, I I wait to be proven wrong. Um, well, he gets but, wine,
2: mums yeah. horny. So that's all <laughs> that right. <he's>
1: <laughs> there, are, there is a strange element to the O'Rourke, uh uh frenzy which is like very much about his his looks um that which is honestly he's the only
2: woman on this particular in this particular conversation i just say i find it very bizarre like he's, oh, he's, find him he's tragic? just he's just very ordinary like nothing Like <laughs> i mean imagine you've got like a, a 60 year old
0: marshmallow husband though Imagine you've got a marshmallow man of a husband, you know, who hasn't satisfied you sexually in 30 years. And then Ojeda comes along with this, like, hyper-masculine high tea routine, you know. Rangers lead the way. Like, I mean, you know, it'll make you a little – it'll get you a little uh, – Sure, I I'm said, talking about I almost bad. said no, moist, but, but then I just said better. it just now. So I'm no, going to no, roll no, no. with it. It'll get you a little moist. No, all the, the wine edges, moms you know
2: were – all the wine moms was excited about – Beto, not Ojeda.
0: Oh, Beto, you're talking about Beto. Oh, he's like the soft boy Ojeda. <laughs> well, what that's right. One
2: of the wine moms does this huge, like, whatever. On, I'm, I'm extremely online right now. Um, yeah. but this woman <laughs> made this tweet that went like viral, and it was like, um. Beto is like that sweet nerdy guy who holds you down and makes you come oh. until your calves cramp.
0: Oh, my God. God, I saw that tweet. I wanted yeah. to vomit for many yeah. reasons, for many reasons. And I was like, bitch, a Beto's sweet a nerdy boy. boys.
2: Sweet nerdy boys it's... don't hold you down and make you come because they're sweet <laughs> nerdy boys. Jesus, like, I'm going to click the adult, is, is I'm gonna have to click the adult fantasy. box on like, iTunes
0: for this, this episode. This is some
2: West Wing fucking Harry Potter shit. Well, you know, of course if, it is.
0: If Twitter well, with, had with a little a, f- with the little Fifty Shades of Grey mixed in there, this is all <laughs> this is pure fantasy. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, if Twitter had been um, around in like this, the the sixties, we probably would have had the same thing around. Uh, you know, uh, candy and uh, and everything. And Warren, Warren Harding was considered quite a, a handsome, good looking man uh, when he, yeah, but he was he, a
2: Lothario Like at least he was doing it. He was walking Solid the walk.
0: Uh, well, I mean, it's it's a it's a trend. Look at you got obviously you've got uh, Trudeau in the Great North, yeah. uh, who who's you know he's he's but got he's this like boyish boy. good look appeal. Uh, he's I think he's nausea- he, he's nauseating to me. I mean, I don't know how anyone could be attracted to this man, but you know whatever people people look at him, he's they say he's a snack. Uh, ladies, <laughs> that's what they're saying now. According to uh, yeah, wine mom Twitter, he's definitely a he's a hard snack. Uh-huh. And you got Macron, Macron in France is th- this fucking windbag, uh, evil monster who's who's looking to uh, I don't know some kind of a. Uh Hardcore militarized crackdown on the protesters over there in France right now. Macron is is said to be a bit of a snack. So like if you're not, yes, if you're
2: not mommy a snack, issues. you just don't really
0: have much of a chance. Oh, he's <laughs> definitely got some mommy issues. There is a bit of a there is a bit of a
1: difference or a divide almost with between the sort of work bay uh, politicians, uh the, the kind of work bay liberal establishment politicians of the world and the kind of older, crustier kind of um, uh, principled uh, leadership of, of people, say like like Sanders or or Corbyn. Corbin. Um, you know these yeah. guys who've sort of been around so long and yeah. and taken these unpopular positions throughout their careers that are now sort of have finally become uh, in vogue. Um, there, there is a yeah, there is a strange uh, thing going on there. I would say. You also see it with uh, you know my prime minister Jacinda Ardern, um, who I would I would I want to hasten is uh, her record so far, while not perfect, is far from the Trudeau's or the um, Macron's of the world. Um, but there is you see with her as well, there is also a media and um, I guess social media obsession with um, with her, uh, you know, particularly around the sort of like. Glamour that she um, exudes, and I think her political theme is kind of cultivated. Um, so yeah, I mean, everyone, yeah, you're right. There is a sort of this, yeah, uh, and, and there's a it's as you say, it is a fantasy, and I don't just mean that sexually. I mean, um, you know, uh, it's it's like it's ha- also that <laughs> it's also that, there. but there's also this kind of push to. It, uh, li- liberalism, especially in the U.S., has just been on the lookout for anyone that can sort of cling on to. Is th- this is the, the next charismatic savior after Obama, because I think for a lot of people, I, I think people think that Obama's greatest strength, and actually they're probably right here, it was that he was a very charming and um, very kind of uh, cosmetically a very appealing candidate. He, he, he was amazing. You know, he, his speeches were, were amazing. He, he was inspiring and in, in sort of all the, 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 most kind of, um, uh, superficial ways. Um, and I think there's this need to find someone like that. And, you know, we saw that with the obsession that for about like 10 minutes over Oprah running, you know, that was, that was, that was a serious, right uh thing. People are seriously writing, like, oh, Oprah should run for president because she just did a speech at the Golden Globes. Um, and to me the O'Rourke thing is is sort of the latest um iteration of this um yeah. of this obsession.
0: People are clearly looking for a savior and I think it's like it's not a surprise then that you know they're looking for this like intense like libidinal like a, a some a figure who's just like said to be pure id like a Bill Clinton kind of guy, right? He just like he's he's his sexual dysfunction is also like the, the source of his um his political like prowess, right? I mean he, he just exudes this uh this this slimy confidence that people cling on to in times of crisis when they want to feel normal and, and and like they're in good hands, right? I don't mean um, to sound bizarre. like
2: I don't know, like I don't want to sound like, too much of like a p- fucking cultural turn French bok, but like I actually think that that bad- like Beto compare Beto Beto whatever anyway I rock um <laughs> is almost like a simulacrum of that like slightly pervy yeah. third way guy because like he's it's w- like when you suggest it's a fantasy it's like literally a fantasy and as much as like he's so clean cut and boyish and like entirely banal that like he's even, sexless he's he's sex this in is what i'm about to fact. say like they've actually yeah. he's like actually emasculated so it's not even like an id there's not even that sense of like slightly like like Lusty, like dirtiness about him in the way that there is with Bill Clinton and he's fucking wondering why. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, like it's not even that. It's pure. Projection. It's purely a projection. Yeah.
0: And when I say I got a lot of heat for this on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, and like it's it's from all the like the weekly the weekly scandals and, and and just ridiculousness that goes by. It feels like it was many years ago, but uh, on Twitter time, it was like a decade ago, but it was only a few weeks ago, and I used the word sexless, and I got a lot of shit for it. I want to be very clear what I mean by that. I mean bloodless, gutless. Uh, it's it's used it's a literary term referring to, to like bureaucrats, people who who don't exude any kind of like libidinal energy or human life force. Uh, they're, they're just, they're, they are, they are a, uh, a, a, character, a, character, a characteristic less, they lack characteristics. See, I meant kind. a dickless
2: Wayney. That's if, what I meant.
0: Were... <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think like there's something to that and there's a kind of archetype. There's a, there's a bureaucratic archetype that is now being sort of dressed up as as this Fifty Shades of Grey, uh, what's his name? So, it's
2: so just name? a vessel, Christian Grey. But it's like it's just a vessel, he, he's, he's and a anyone a vessel. can a project, project a whatever they vessel. want,
0: hope and change. And and <laughs> and that like it 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 feels safe <laughs> because you don't think that he's actually going to tie you up and and you know and consensually abuse you. But he's just <laughs> dangerous enough. He's got that boyish good looks where you think like maybe he might you know. Rub against you as you're passing him, and you know at, at the communion line in church or whatever. <laughs> I think the fact that we're even uh, having this conversation
1: just speaks to how strange this moment is. This this entire <laughs> historical
0: political moment. Yeah. It's it's yeah. very yeah. odd. Um, it is. Yeah. Speak some sense into us. We've been talking a lot about. The oddballs who, who quite likely won't even they'll, they'll hobble their way into the into the debates once once the real field of candidates starts to shape up. Mm-hmm. Who are some of the other candidates? I mean, we know the names, uh, the Booker's, the Kamala Harris's, uh, maybe even like a Sherrod Brown if he you know decides to throw his hat in the ring. I don't know. I think I think uh, Ojeda is probably a poor man, Sherrod Brown. If you ask me, uh, Brown has a much more robust record for supporting unions and real working class uh, needs. Um, he's a little. He's very wishy-washy on a lot of Keystone progressive issues right now. But it's hard to say what he might uh, project into a national run if he doesn't have to pander to these Ohio hillbillies um, any longer. But uh, yeah, who are, who are some of the who, who are some of the people right now who haven't uh, gotten a lot of press, but they they will definitely be mainstays in that in that. Hmm. Group? I mean. I'm trying. To, there's. Uh, I don't know if he'll be a mainstay, but uh, Deval
1: Patrick uh, is one that's been floated. I've I've heard that one, and he was the governor of Massachusetts, sort of in the Obama mold, um, and the Mitt uh,
2: Romney mold.
1: Yeah. Well. Yeah. Cause he yeah. He literally worked for Bank Capital, um, which once upon a time was uh, the most evil corporation in the world when it was. An election campaign going on. Um, if Deval Patrick ran again, it would uh, Bain Capital would be completely rehabilitated, and um, pretty much every argument that was made by everyone in 2012 would be completely reversed um, about how evil Bain Capital is, uh, and also has like has worked for a bunch of um, other co- corporations. Uh, he he was, I believe. One of the kind of chief lawyers at Coca Cola when they were um, engaging in a variety of abuses uh, in Latin America from from memory. Um and and uh, he well who else did he worked for he worked for I, I I the details escape me right now but he also worked for um, uh, one of the uh, banks that was key to the. Um, subprime loan crisis as well, like uh, when that was all going down.
0: Um, yeah, the shysters are all related to. I mean, to they all have. They have their. They have their. Their fingers in uh, many, many different uh, grifts. That you know, that, that destroy the lives of millions of Americans. There, that's. That's for sure. This would be an interesting le- election. However, if Duval Patrick somehow got the nod, because Romney has been making a lot of uh, noises about his intent to to run for the republican party primary uh race and so you might have the Bain capital election wow oh my god 2020 good lord uh versus Bain. it's like a it's like a fucking uh batman
1: (laughs) i would much rather honestly part of me feels like uh i would would rather have the actual villain bane run than either of those guys uh I think <laughs> the Bane... election
0: is yours.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Bane had uh for all his faults, uh, you know, he obviously was uh the champion of the downtrodden in some ways. Um, you know, very much against the Fat Cats that were running uh Gotham City.
0: Right wing populism without the racism, as yeah. far as I can <laughs> right. tell, Bane was not a racist. He was no, very, no, he, was, well, he seemed uh, very open minded to many different uh, creeds and ethnicities. Right.
1: And yes, that's right. And and the comics, actually, I believe I believe Bane is um, is actually uh, uh, like a luchador wrestler. So he's actually um, I don't know if he's Mexican or or, or something something uh, south of the border. But, but well, I think he 's something south of the border i, I can 't remember well so actually potentially he might even have a better immigration policy than than either mitt Romney or. Um uh, Deval Patrick.
0: But, uh, well, he's got a better claim to that identity than uh, Beto O'Rourke does. Sure. Yeah, he, he definitely does. Yeah, I'm not sure.
1: He got changed into sort of a Russian Sean Connery um, for the, the Nolan movie. But, you know, regardless. Um, yeah, Ben Romney, uh, there's been talk about him. There's also talk about um, uh, Jeff Flake, who obviously has been angling for a oh. uh, challenge to Trump since – Almost the second Trump came into office um, and and the only thing I can say about that is that flake is a one of the most shameless uh, political frauds of uh, almost uh, certainly in in my memory in my political memory I've not seen someone who is oh, John McCain also John McCain was uh, as much of a fraud um I think I think flake is. Probably even more shameless than McCain in terms of the way that he very cynically will you know stand up and do a speech against Trump and then just do do absolutely nothing to resist him and vote with him uh, yeah I think he actually votes with Trump more of the time than the McCain does um, but he i I've heard there's talk of him possibly doing a challenge to Trump um, which would be interesting I'm curious whether that would work whether his shtick would work when it's not you know um when when it's when it's very obviously exposed uh to the world i mean stranger things have happened um i'm I'm trying to think if there was anyone else. I feel like there there are some names that i'm I'm forgetting that have been kind of
0: floated so so let's we'll get there. Let's talk more explicitly about the 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 big names, the big the big guns yeah uh the Kamala Harris, Cory Booker uh those two are are all you know perennial favorites in this in this race, although I don't think either one has formally announced anything or even hinted at much. it's hard to say what'll play out, but there's no question the performance that they gave. Uh, Harris in particular at, at the Kavanaugh hearings uh, indicated that she would be making a, a run in 2020.
1: Um, yeah. Kamala Harris, uh, if we're talking about record, um, obviously she, she's kind of pivoted towards this kind of um, uh, criminal justice stance. Um, uh, well, you know, cr- criminal justice reform stance. Uh, she has, Kind of position herself as this scourge of the um, of the, uh, the 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 big banks in California and the, and the you know um, everyone engaged in sort of uh, widespread fraud during the financial crisis. Um, all of which is not actually true. Um, if you actually look at a record, Harris is, um, Har- Harris s- uh, set up an office um, to to take on that very kind of thing. And she had less prosecutions in in California, the epicenter, in many ways, um, of this um, of this fraud, this, this massive fraud. Uh, she had less prosecutions than like some state counties <laughs> in other parts of the country. Um, you know, uh, the, and also in terms of criminal justice reform, I mean, she she is uh despite how she presents herself now she has a really appalling record she actually ran to the right of a Republican in um to be the uh, district attorney in San Francisco uh, if I'm remembering uh, that exact detail right she he was uh anti the three strikes law because he you know quite sensibly said that it was a completely absurd law um, and she actually ran um, on
0: defending Um uh, the three strikes law. Um, she, she doubled down on that kind of law and order Republican party uh, kind of trope and, and was has been very successful uh, for, for that. I mean, it's like look at look at where look at what got them there. look at the bread and butter policies that got them where they are. I mean it's anyone can pivot in a progressive direction, but but you know look at look at how they got there. I think that's going to tell you a lot Exactly about who they are as a candidate.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's. I, I think probably there are three things that that you know people should keep in mind. It's okay. How easily can this person be pushed? Secondly, how have they voted? Um, what bills they vote? What bills have they they put forward to their legislative history? And third, what is their actual history? What have they said in the past? What policies that, the policies that they support in the past? Because it's all well and good to pivot left when you want to win the Democratic primary, but um, you know, someone like Kamala Harris, who, by the way, was you know running. She was she was a district attorney in, in San Francisco, you know, which is a, a fairly liberal city. If she ran on preserving some of the most pernicious aspects of the um, criminal justice system, so called, uh, when she was in San Francisco, it's like, well, you know, God knows how she's going to pivot if if she is the Democratic, um, candidate come, uh, 2020 and she has to uh, run a general election. You know, I would suspect that a lot of this, uh, the, the, this rhetoric would fly out the window and she would, if not go back to what she was in California, uh,
0: b- b- possibly even go further, right. Um, so yeah, I mean, really San Francisco is the perfect breeding ground for that kind of triangulation though. Sort of like uh, giving nods to social justice rhetoric, kind of surface level uh, Democratic Party progressive values, while still cracking down on, uh, you know, uh, law and order kind of um, Bill Clintonian style policies from the early '90s against welfare and and um, uh, being very friendly to the banks. I mean, that's that's the Silicon Valley. Uh, progressive neoliberal uh, mecca. Uh, where she all was this stuff really. Uh, is born.
2: I don't know. I think she was even a cut above, like you know, your more generic like a Beto or rock or Obama types. Like I remember Gavin Newsom. Well, I just think she was just so incredibly carceral and punitive. Like I know that I regularly take the piss and say she's a cop, but like I just think. Um, The extent and the breadth of the punitivity of her record um, speaks volumes to me such that I would absolutely rule her out no matter what she says from now. Like her record alone to me is enough to just completely, like it's completely disqualifying. Like she was in, she fought to keep marijuana criminalized um, in California. She fought to uh, maintain overcrowded prisons because the state found that um, the labor was um incredibly cost effective. So she like literally petitioned to maintain overcrowded prisons. Like she's done ridiculous shit in relation to sex work and sex workers. Like yeah, I just yeah. So.
1: Well there's there's one particularly egregious case as well, um, which gives you a good example of um of Harris's kind of uh I guess approach uh and, and her history. So there was this guy called Daniel Larson who um he was sentenced to 27 years uh, to life because of the three strikes law that Harris, of course, backed. Um, it, and it was the, his third strike. I think it was his third strike. He pulled out a knife. Well, he was... T- police said that he pulled out a knife and from his waistband and he, he threw it under the car. Um, and for this, he was sentenced to 27 years uh, to life. Um, now, but but... It gets worse because he was actually he was uh, wrongly targeted to be searched anyway. When they found that knife, well, well, well which led him to throw that knife, um, and he it was actually a, uh, witnesses said that somebody else had thrown a knife. That it was the guy that he was like with who had thrown a knife, um, and so it should he, have been. But
2: it should have been inadmissible then, no.
1: Yes, but Larson's lawyer was terrible, and so right. he ended up um, going to prison for a long time. Um, so then fast forward 11 years, um, and a judge actually re- reversed the conviction um, because because of the just numerous flaws w- with, with this case. Um, but Harris, she appealed the decision, and she worked to actually keep him In prison, despite there was a quite a big movement. There were uh, thousands of people signed a petition, um, civil rights lawyers got involved. They talked about how unjust his cases didn't really make a um, difference to Harris, who actually, when he was released, she actually challenged his release. So she actually worked
0: overtime to try and keep this guy in jail. She went above and beyond to enforce these draconian yeah. three-strikes uh, laws, yeah. So I think, like, I mean, let's, let's, let's pivot now. We could, we could spend the rest of the episode talking about Kamala Harris, and the yeah. darkness, I think. There's no question <laughs> there. But, I mean, let's, a, another figure who has a lot of skeletons in his closet, and it's going to be very, very difficult for him to maintain the veneer of being the kind of uh, representative of progressive and uh, you know, leftist politics in America is Cory Booker. The way that he has right. uh, just always cozied up to the Israel lobby, supporting the occupation of Palestine, uh, clamping down, speaking out against BDS. Uh, he's you know o- just overwhelmingly cozy with Wall Street and the insurance uh, companies uh, wherein he sort of uh, collects his largesse uh, for his political empire that he's developed for himself. The charter school movement is where he cut his teeth in the city of Newark. Um, you know, people know all about that that uh, abysmal failure. Newark was supposed to be the, uh, you know, the 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 shining light on the hill, the shining city on the hill, when it comes to showing the you know the superiority of the charter school privatization model, and it's just a it's 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 devolved into a one of the worst neoliberal hellscapes in terms of education. Um so let's talk a little bit about Booker what what skeletons what other skeletons does he have is he going to be able to maintain this veneer as being a viable progressive candidate in the primaries Uh
1: Booker is one of those guys that I haven't done a huge uh ton of research into his history I, I sort of yeah I know basically the, the stuff you outlined, that kind of the broad stroke stuff um but yeah I mean the, there's so much there that I I would find it difficult to see how he could but he also is like one of the things I like about Booker is like he is co- almost comically uh, sleazy and like <laughs> opportunistic and is just you know like, like uh, I remember it was what in 2017 that he did this big speech about um you know drug prices and then just immediately voted uh, down the um, the bill to to import drugs from Canada uh, or there was a whole thing in um in the Kavanaugh hearings uh, from memory. He did that whole speech where he was talking about, you know, I'll go to jail to have this file released, and you know, I'm gonna, I'm engaging in civil disobedience right now, yada yada. And it turned out that the the what the file he was talking about had already been released, Um, but you know, he was putting on a big show for the cameras, so you could he could then put a clip on a tweet and uh, and send that out. Um, So yeah, I mean, he he is like he's like Tommy Carcetti from The Wire. On like steroids, just <laughs> so cartoonishly craven and like obviously, um you know, so dishonest and like an enemy of the exact politics that he he pretends to to espouse.
0: I'll I'll stand for Carcetti in the early seasons, right? Yeah, okay? yeah. yeah. In the early too. seasons, Carcetti <laughs> was okay. He was a good guy. Carcetti did, did nothing wrong. <gasps> Booker, uh, but, yeah. It, once he was in office, yeah.
2: Booker's has always struck me as like. Like, um, like a a total, like a simulacrum of a politician. Like he seems like a daytime soap actor playing a politician because he's just so fucking wooden and like exaggerated. That like, I was reading a headline like a couple of days ago and it said something about like a booker's um, charisma and I was like, what are you talking about?
1: It's all about it's all about the charisma. Yeah, I mean, I think the other thing with him is, is uh, you know, when you compare him to someone like Kamala Harris, even Harris has made these kind of attempts to shore up her progressive uh, kind of um, record since um, being elected to the Senate. Just recently, um, she—I was reading the other day. She, 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 and a couple of other um, some some actual progressive uh, congresswomen are are going to um, push for kind of like an expansion of of, um, workers' rights for for domestic workers. You know, so she's she's trying. Booker, as far as I know, and I might be wrong about this, but as far as I know, he has not really made any effort to to even, you know. Uh, push for any sort of legislation or program to, to sort of uh, to evince his his, his supposed uh, progressivism, you know, to kind of uh, cover for for his historical record. Even even Harris, who I think is yeah, has an absolutely appalling record and should not be supported for president whatsoever, has at least um, tried. You know, she's at least like she realizes, oh, I have to do this. Booker doesn't seem to to have even bothered to do that.
2: He had his "I am Sparta" moment.
1: <laughs> well, he had his own what? <laughs>
2: I'm sorry. His "I am Sparta" moment.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that reference might be might be lost
0: on me. I'm sorry.
2: Just his ridiculous, grandstanding in the Senate, and I think he thought that was enough. Oh, this
0: is, I see. Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. You're, you're you're mixing you're mixing up two. You're crossing metaphors. It's either this is Sparta or I am Spartacus. Which is it? Oh, I'm
1: Which sorry. Is it? Both. <laughs> it's confused. Just
2: just like okay. well,
1: that is a, that would be a very Bookerish move as as trying, trying to through. have your cake and eat it too. Um,
0: it's a deliberate yeah. gaffe,
2: guys. Jeez.
0: <laughs> yeah. So let's talk so let's talk about um let's wind up the show here by talking about the crown jewel of the Democratic Socialist uh, hopes for 2020 Bernie Sanders. Uh not only what's I think what's interesting here to pri- to, to provide a little bit of relief and uh, to to kind of uh to provide a little bit of perspective here is that while all of these other candidates are faking left uh to, in order to at least in terms of optics, like closely approximate what Bernie Sanders has already um, sort of established as the progressive, you know, socialist position par excellence nationally. Um, not only is, has he sort of already set that standard, but he's continuing to push left mm-hmm. even further left than, and then, you know, the kind of horizon that he has uh, already made kind of hegemonic in a sense, like anyone who wants to be the progressive candidate has to at least, um you know has to at least wave their hands in these directions and so he's pushing even further he's pushing he's ended the yemen war uh it seems he's used the war powers act uh to end the uh supply and um funding of the yemen war which is a major major success it's long long overdue obviously him pushing for medicare for all mm-hmm. uh, the green new deal the stop uh, Be- uh bezo's act
1: that was a very yeah the the Stop Eaters Act was was arguably well I think I think some people uh, see it as as one of his like greatest achievements you know even though it didn't pass but it just by by sheer sort of um, uh, I guess using that bully pulpit uh, that politicians have he managed to kind of um, push I'm uh, oh, sorry I'm getting a phone call he, he managed to yeah push Bezos to to uh, raise the minimum wage for Amazon workers which is a huge deal. Um I, I don't know about the Green New Deal. I I've people have said that, that Sanders supports it. I have not seen any statement by him that he supports it. I will say he has probably the most detailed climate um policy on his like former presidential website out of like any uh any other I guess p- potential candidate that I, I've looked at so far. Certainly more, more so than like Elizabeth Warren. Um, but uh, but yeah, certainly yes yes uh, the, yeah. Sanders is is very much the hope of, of the left, as you say.
0: Right right. I think it's it's puzzling at this point. I don't I don't know if this is outside of your purview or or, or whatever. If you you don't mind uh, harping or vamping here a little bit as we wind up. But what is your take? I and mean, why do you think that so many on the left? Are now hesitant to champion a Bernie Sanders, uh, you know, race, a primary race, going into 2020. I mean, he he sort of uh, held the the hopes and dreams of socialists and, and leftists across the country in 2016, and people are a little bit lukewarm about him right now, and they're desperately searching for someone, even if they like what you know, if they generally like Sanders. They're sort of thinking to themselves, oh, there has to be somebody else out there, right? And he's not our only guy. There's somebody younger, somebody much, you know, somebody maybe. Uh, I don't. know, Is there is there a, a woman of color out there, for example, who could carry the mantle? Why are people lukewarm to Sanders in this moment, where where it would seem to me they should be championing him as as our as our <laughs> our only hope, in a sense, against these other mainstays that we've been talking about?
1: Well, I mean, I, I I'm surprised you say people are lukewarm because I feel like whenever. I, all I see is a lot of enthusiasm. There's there's sort of this draft Bernie movement going on. Certainly among a lot of the left-wing people I know, that they're, they're very excited and and looking forward to Bernie Sanders' run. You know, sort of seeing him as the really only hope, not just for you know the left, but also for actually implementing a whole host of policies that we need. You know, including. Um, Climate change legislation, uh, the Green New Deal, whatever, whatever it, the form it may take. Um, you know, uh, I, I feel like even though Sanders has not made it a centerpiece of his um, uh, of his kind of this uh, early embryonic uh, presidential run for twenty twenty, I th- it, from based on his public statements and certainly his his last campaign, he seems to be the only politician outside of say like. Someone like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who actually takes the issue of climate change as seriously. I mean, to be honest, actually probably not as seriously as he needs to take it because there's no politician, I think, that, that takes that issue as seriously as they need to take it. But he's certainly more so than all the other, um, all the other candidates. Um, so, I mean, but, but I'm curious, so
0: why uh, have
1: you, you sort of detected a sort of uh, lack of enthusiasm, you say, uh, for a for Sanders' run?
0: Yeah, I think it's probably clear uh, to to most of the listeners that Amy and I uh, occasionally suffer from what I like to call Twitter induced brain poisoning. insofar <laughs> <laughs> so far as we probably overrate and oversell uh, the the claims and the the protestations of a certain <laughs> marginal uh, segment of the left which doesn't really carry a lot of uh, uh, preach. But I think one thing is sure. I think what Bernie Sanders is doing now in pushing to end the Yemen war and pushing for the Green New Deal, and actually just he, he actually did go on Democracy Now and sort of outline uh, what a Green New Deal might mean. Um, he hasn't oh. put forth any substantive legislation because that would just be a completely over, you know, it would be an unprecedented since the actual New Deal or since some kind of a robust war mobilization it would be an unprecedented uh, kind of uh, you'd have to found new you know governmental uh, organis- bodies and institutions um and uh fill those seats with you know leaders and pencil pushers and uh, all types of yeah it would be an immense project but um He's pushed for it uh, quite vocally. Uh, what am I saying? I'm, I'm getting off track here. Yeah, so he's, he's continuing to push left in a way where I think like a lot of people just presume like, ah, yes, yeah, Sanders, he's done his job. He's kind of put a lot of, you know, things like Medicare for all on, onto the national agenda, he's kind of shot his wad, right? He's sort of mm-hmm. delivered everything that he can do. He's done his service. Who's next? And I think <laughs> what he's done lately in the last couple of weeks, even is to demonstrate that he has not shot his wad. He he has a lot more in the tank and he, he's continuing to uh, pioneer a socialist agenda in mainstream politics in a way that, that I think is going to really shock people as, as he continues to, to push left and demonstrate his his you know, his superior principles compared to the rest of these other hacks.
2: Oh, I was just gonna say Saint Bernie's the true sex stock candidate for twenty twenty.
1: <laughs> well there was yeah. the uh, the Buff Bernie colouring book uh, back in twenty sixteen. <laughs> so you know, people yeah, that's a, that's a real thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, see, there you go. That's I, I learned something today as well. So I, I haven't actually seen that, that interview with Democracy Now. They did, so I'll have to check that out. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that's that's really bizarre because if anything, I think that the his elevated platform that he got from the the, the 2016 run has given him um, more power and more of a voice than, than he's ever had. Um, for a long time, he was a very lonely voice speaking out, you know, for gay rights and um, and, and speaking out against the sort of neoliberal turn of the Democratic Party uh, for for many years. Um, and and now his the, the rest of the country, well, I would even argue, the rest of the sort of Western world is kind of caught up to his um, his stance. Um, so I'm, oh, yeah, I'm, it's a, that's a baffling position to take for me. The idea that oh well, okay, he's done what he needs to do now. He now he's finished. I mean, I think. I feel like it 's really gaining momentum um, and and you 're right there isn 't really right. yeah and there isn 't really another candidate that 's really um, that has quite the same sort of uh, energy in terms of uh, ideas and, and policies, uh, as he does, and and sort of um, the the you know the, the kind of willingness to, to really take on um, some of these big institutions. I mean, uh, again, people people put to Warren and uh, Warren and, and Warren and Sanders do obviously overlap in a number of things, but I think Warren is a far more cautious politician. I think Sanders realizes he ha- there is a moment right now to push for real common sense reforms um, like single payer like universal healthcare, you know so um yeah it, it's i think uh i mean i don't know, i i i never i never like to make predictions about um about you know politics because it it can all go so
0: okay last question uh, but, 2020 who do you think is going to be <laughs> And your take, uh, Bronco yeah. Marchetti? Of oh, the official uh, take. You heard it here first. No. Who's going to be the 2020 candidate? For the
1: oh Olympics? God, no, don't, no. Because here's the thing: if I if I say anything, it's it's I, I'm down. Uh, if don't I do down it. If I, don't. I don't want to jinx it. I was, I mean, of course, I think I think Sanders is the is the best hope for not just you know the sort of uh, slightly more narrow kind of vision of like of, of just like. Uh, pushing the left's agenda, but I think even just in terms of uh, for the sake of um, this country and and you know, be the world, um, I think he is the best candidate. Uh, not just because he's poised to defeat Trump, but but because he has a chance to really um, to to enact a, a, a transformation in um, American politics and, and push policies that that would you know. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, you know, the sort of thing that's hanging over this entire discussion and every discussion in politics uh, these days is that we have been given a very specific timeline for how long we have to deal with the issue of climate change, um, and it you know, you know what until twenty twenty thirty really, and then after that, it's it's all manner of horrors are going to come to pass. Um, I think Sanders is the most Likely agent of that change, um, I, he he's, he will need a there will need to be a mass movement that that pushes both the rest of the Democratic Party and him because he's a politician he's going to be naturally cautious once he once he gets into office and 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 but but Sanders has has shown a capacity to be pushed on um, criminal justice everyone remembers the famous. Yeah, you know, the time that uh, Black Lives Matter uh, activists interrupted him, um, and he very, very quickly adopted a, a um, quite, quite a, a good criminal justice uh, platform after that uh, on Israel and Palestine and foreign policy. Um, uh, could it be better? Oh, yes, much, much better. But he he has shown a sort of. Um, a willingness to to um, listen to the kind of disgruntled demands of his base and move in accordance with them, uh, which I think is really important. Um, in, in addition to his like long, long record of, of very uh, admirable positions and votes. So, yeah, I guess that, that would be... I don't want to predict that that's going to happen and I think other candidates can also be pushed, but I think at this point Sanders is... There's no one that really touches them in terms of, of of being able to bring that change.
0: Right. Yeah. So there you have it. Uh, Beto, no, don't do it. Uh, Ojeda, uh, I don't know. Maybe you can push for like a uh, some you know d- position in the Pentagon. You know, once a Democrat gets elected, if that's what you're what you're aiming for. Uh, wine moms can stay hot for both of those guys. There's nothing stopping them. They don't have to be president. They can you know they can still occupy their fantasies uh, all day and night if they choose uh booker uh go back to the soap opera where you from whence you came uh kamala harris i hope she ends up locked up like all of the uh likely innocent people that she has locked up <laughs> and uh, i hope we see uh, a bernie sanders candidacy in 2020 with the full weight and force of the left behind him i think we can do a lot of really important things and uh, yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to leave it there. Thanks so much, uh, Bronco March of Teach, for joining us to talk to us about these prospects. We recognize here at Dead Pundits that electoral politics is but a minor feature of uh, the democratic socialist uh, movement and the new left agenda, but it is a really important one. And uh, we we uh, thanks so much for for helping us outline some of the some of the possibilities here in front of us. Thank you for having me.
2: Yeah, thanks so much.
0: And that concludes today's show. Thanks again to Bronco Marchateach. I've had to practice that name several times to get it right, but I think I got it now. It's like March uh Teach. Bronco Marchateach, who is a staff writer over at Jacobin Magazine. A lot of useful insight there to Start thinking about the Democratic Party primary field for 2020. I know we just got over the midterm elections and everybody's sick of electoral politics for now, but it's never too soon to start gaming that situation as democratic socialists. We recognize that electoral politics is but a tiny slice of what we do as socialists, but it is an increasingly important one, and moreover, it's one that socialists have really ignored for far too long. And uh, this week we're going to be addressing that. The next free show is going to be with David Dayen. He's a contributing writer at The Intercept and In These Times Magazine. We're going to be talking about the ins and outs of the Congressional Progressive Caucus and the deal that they recently made with Nancy Pelosi and the Blue Dog and New Democrat wings of that party in order to try to get some real substantive power to pass a Democratic Socialist Agenda such as the Green New Deal, Medicare for All, the Stop Bezos Act, and much, much more. David Dayan's going to give us the ins and outs of how that works at the committee level, the kind of boring nonsense type shit that you know we socialists typically can't be bothered to, to listen to, but it's going to be really important in the coming years. All right, if you like this and you want to hear much, much more of it, head over to patreon.com slash and become a member at $10 per month and up. And you'll get access to the Weekly Rundown Show, which is a news and views podcast from a socialist perspective. That's going to be dropping on Friday. Likewise, Amy and I will be doing a B-side on Sunday. That'll be available, as always, to the $5 level and up. And uh, if you're a patron, you're going to be getting possibly four shows this week. And we want to keep this level of production coming. So consider increasing your donation. If you're not a patron already or if you're a past patron, consider joining up at patreon.com slash dead pundits until next episode dead pundit out
1: (laughs) oh this new crazy mother